Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all this morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, Mark chapter 4, Pastor Stephen Kurt, say hello from New York City. That's where they're at for some kind of training conference. Uh, I guess it's 7.40 there, so maybe they're, maybe they're up and at them. I bet they are. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. And ask the Lord to prepare our hearts. <clears throat> Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. We just pause and give you thanks for uh, not just only allowing us to wake up, but for waking us up, Father, giving us life and breath. Or today as we start this day, as we make our way through your word, pray that, Father, we would be so intentional in how we walk and do and speak and see in our hearts. Um, so I stay so connected to you, God. And thank you for your goodness, your mercy. We do pray for Pastor Stephen Curtis. They uh, have day two of this conference, and we ask you to bring them back tomorrow safely to us and pray they just uh, learned a lot and we just thank you for their leadership along with pastor melissa i'm um, just so thankful for our pastors lord thank you for this group of guys this morning and i pray lord that we would re- receive your word to our hearts and our lives continue to be changed we pray in your name jesus amen all right well if y'all open your bibles to mark chapter four We are going to be looking at the parable of the sower. And as we are starting the Gospel of Mark, uh, the whole concept of parables, um, we're going to look at what a parable is. We're going to then go through the parable, and then we're going to talk about the purpose of the parable, our parables, and then we're going to try to make some application here. Got a picture up here. This is probably, if you go search this, this is what you're probably going to find. This is, this is referred to as the Sower's Cove. So scholars, uh, although I didn't get Kurt's blessing on this, he definitely knows this better than I, but, uh, this is where many, many believe that Jesus taught this parable. Uh, of course, this is the, what, the northwestern side of the Sea of Galilee. And if you're looking at it from a satellite, they have several small inlet coves and of course logically speaking and and also a physical means if he's out here on a boat which we're going to find out there's just a natural you know just some natural amphitheater in a sense right so it's you know he could probably hear him better um but that's that's where they think he taught this parable at so some interest there for you again if you need some reference there so his home his headquarters capernaum and so that northwest side is is where where he is. And that's just another shot. I think we've already seen this looking out the Sea of Galilee. So Mark four, verse one. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. Uh, why would Jesus do this? Uh, rabbis typically did sit to, to do their lessons. That's how they would. That was the posture they took. Uh, but also, um, when you're in a boat, is it a good idea to stand on the water? 
I mean, if you're Jesus, obviously, I guess you could, right? But, but for the rest of us, uh, you know, all my water experience have been uh, in canoes uh, growing up. And that was a horrible idea to stand, although we were idiot boys and did it anyways. And of course, we, you know, we would swamp the canoe. But uh, he was sitting down to teach, as rabbis would do. And again, it's just a good location because of the natural, you know, the effect he would have, the sound dynamics speaking to the people. We were told it's a very large crowd. Uh, I don't know how many for sure, but quite a few. And also, if he's there, he's going to be surrounded. So it was much better for him to be out on the water. Verse 2, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them. So let's just look at parables. I don't look at the purpose right now. I just want to look at what they are. Just a basic definition. It is the Greek word parabole. Uh, that should ring ring. That should be familiar to us because we get our word what from that? Parabolic, right? Parabola, parabolic. So a parable. You, there's so many things one could say about it, but it is a, in one sense, if you're using that that word, it's a roundabout way, right? Of of saying something. Uh, it could be a, a similitude. It could be an analogy. It can be a comparison. Rabbis, if he traces back to the Old Testament, they would speak in this way. As Pastor Kurt reminds us, they would ask their students, their disciples, questions, right? If they weren't doing that, they were speaking in, in parables. So here he has his whole crowd gathered. He just started his ministry, uh, and the first thing he says to them after we talks about repentance and the kingdom of God coming, uh, being in their presence, uh, is is a parable uh, that would also would confuse and confound people. It was like a riddle in, in a sense. Um, questions about that? Anything that you know about parables that you want to share? I mean... Because people will, I've heard people over the years say things like, well, yeah, Jesus taught in stories, so we can, we can teach in stories. Well, that's true, but it's not. It, it, parables were not just a nice chicken soup for the soul story. They, they were designed for something. Again, we'll look at the purpose here in a minute, because it's a little bit, um, or maybe a lot shocking, uh, of why he did this, but it, it's not just a nice story. You know, it touches the heart. Uh, it's, it's designed to do so much more and to reach deep, deep down and get us thinking. And, and we might be confused for a while, but really wanting to search and wonder, what is he talking about here? So, um, probably. Yes, sir. Did he create this style amongst the monks? Or not monks. I'm sorry, guys. You're okay. Um, or did he... Get pieces from. He's going in the, the rabbinic tradition, so they they did would do this. So he's following along that same same thing. As Pastor Kurt reminds us, he's he but he he's different, as we'll find out in Matthew eight, as one teaching with authority, which is really like what's the word shimka? I think is the this new type of this new type of style, this thing that's that's a little it's different. Um, but he's still using some real common things. And, of course, being in a fishing and farming area, he's going to use a lot of agrarian-based stories and analogies and parables. And, and his metaphors definitely are, are agrarian-based, right? So, yep. All right, where are we? So, okay, so this is where I want to look at some Greek words here. It's very important to always look at the, the, the text. He starts teaching them in parables. Verse 3, listen. A sower went out to sow. That word for listen, where we get our word acoustic, it's a verb, akuo, 
which means to it does it means much more than hear. It means to perceive, to understand. Um, it's interesting. To, it means to put to put words in one's ears. So it's not just a simple act of of just you know listening. You know as you're listening now, but really taking it in and perceiving, and, and it is in the imperative form here. So he, is he giving a suggestion? No, he's, he's giving them a command. Listen, listen up. Listen to what I'm telling you. Behold, that's another imperative verb. Uh, see here, you know, low. Again, he's emphasizing something, so he really wants them to to perk up and... And listen to what he's about to tell him. Then he starts the parable off. A sower goes out to sow. I will tell you all that I know almost nothing about farming. Um, what little I know, I got. My, I served a couple of churches. My first church in the middle of the cotton fields in Hell Center. So I had all my, all my, you know, most of my prisoners were farmers, right? So I'd go out with them, and they'd teach me about row watering. I really think they liked the free labor. <laughs> <laughs> of running those those tubes off of there, getting water going, the ones that didn't irrigate uh, with the uh, you know with the pivots. But uh, now I got to know them. Uh, a good friend of mine, and he taught taught me a little bit. So um, that's that's pretty much my farming experience. I grew up in the city of Corpus Christi. Uh, the technology, big surprise. Uh, just know nothing about farming at all. Maybe a little bit about fishing. So I did grow up learning to swim in the Gulf, and and did learn to saltwater fish at a very young age. But anyway. So so a sower goes out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. I want a question for y'all is when you hear the word path, what do you think of? What's the first thing that comes into your mind? Go. Gravel. Gravel, trail. Hard packed. Hard packed, okay. Anything else? This is one of those those translations issues that we have that it's it's a Greek word odon hodon it means it means it means a, it's a path but it also means a road it can also mean a big road um, a road where where uh, traf- there's high traffic now in the Roman world there wasn't traffic as we think of but they did have all their chariots right you you see it referenced to being used when there are legions marching so they you know Romans were were good because they could build what Roads, right? They were good at building roads. So, this is just this is not just a simple path. I'm gonna go. To, I just found one image that's a little telling. It's right here. You can see the guy. You can see that's 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 bigger than just a, a path. But he just they would just scatter them apparently all over the place, right? Um, that was one of the practices. Again, going back to the cotton, my cotton farming, I'd watch watch this friend of mine do it, and of course, it was, it was he didn't scatter seeds like that. It was totally different. Of course, when when you're on the tractor and you have a planter, you can you know you can do it much more efficiently. But um, yeah, so it's a, it's the roads were the, the the idea is much bigger area. All right. So again, we'll look. He's going to explain the parable. At the end of the, at the end of the section, but it's it's a it's a large area. It's not just a little bitty, you know, footpath. All right, that's I think that's very that's very significant, very important. It was also used to uh, refer to even um, could be like a shipping route. All right, so that's it's it's a big area. Um, it's the same word Jesus uses in Matthew seven thirteen and fourteen when he talks about enter through the narrow gate because broad is the path, broad is the way, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way, the path, the road that leads to to life, and only few that find it. So, 
All right, so sower goes. He sows some seeds, scatters it all over the place on this large area, this path, this road. But other seed in verse 5. So better. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched since it had not no root. It withered away. Again, there's nothing really, I mean, I was looking at the Greek words. It's, I mean, it's kind of what you would think of. The translation is pretty good. Rocky, hard soil, uh, nothing, you know, nothing's going to grow in it. I was recently on a camping trip doing some astro imaging, which is what I like to do in some of my pastime at the Davis Mountains. Hadn't been in forever. I've only been in Midland now about two and a half years. Last time I was at the Davis Mountains was in 1985 when I was prepping for a Philmont trip. I was going to Buffalo Trails that year as a scout, and that's the last time I've been out there, and I forgotten just how it's just so just stunning. But we were leaving, my brother and I went, we were leaving, I was looking at all these rock faces, and of course, you know, rocky ground too up there. Does do things grow up there? No. Some things they do not grow. Uh, some things there's just this little you know, bit of, of topsoil, and, and there's just what? There's, you know, <laughs> mesquite. I think mesquite can grow pretty much anywhere, right? <laughs> so, um, but that's about it. So there's rocky soil, nothing can, nothing can really uh, grow, no root, springs up immediately, the sun rose, and the word scorch is actually a really good, good, good word in the ESV there. Withers away. Verse 7 Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. Growing up and, I'm sorry, no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30 fold, 60 fold, and 100 fold. And then he said to them, He who has ears to hear, there's that verb akuo, let him hear. Akuo again to understand, to perceive, to take it in, to accept it, to receive it, to really understand, take hold of it. Before we go on to purpose, other questions. Again, we I really went through that quickly, but we're going to come back, and he's going to, of course, go through it and explain each element, which is going to be our application, which is really kind of the painful part of this lesson. Um, That's a good picture because it, it has all four of the elements oh. described in there. Crows in the background and the rocks and the thorns. Really good point, Gary. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a good picture. You you Google it, you get, you know, thousands of images. So I just tried to find one that I, I like the openness of it too in that background and again the the uh, that wider kind of path, not just a little little footpath. So why would you see on a path? That's the that's the question. Then we're gonna we're gonna dive in here in the last part of it when he explains it. That's 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 the question, Richard. I mean, that's that's the big question. Why would he do that? So what's the what's the metaphor for the for the uh, soil, right? We're gonna talk about that here in a minute. So hold that hold that there, and let's we'll, we're gonna get to it. So all right, verse ten. And when he was alone. Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. All right. 
when he was alone. So we know that he breaks away from his from the crowd. Disciples and others who are around him start asking, Why do you why do you speak to us? You know, why are you speaking in this way? Again, the parable is not some nice, touching, heartwarming story. Uh, it's much it's much more than that. And he says, Well, to you and the secret's been given. Now that word secret is where we get our word mystery from. It's a Greek word mysterion. And it's interesting because it's it's considered a mystery in and of itself of where it really came from. They don't know for certain. Um, but if you, it, it's referred to in rabbinic writings as a, as a mystic, something that's mystic or in a hidden sense. So Jesus is really going really deep here. I'm not going to give the answer to all of them, but I'm going to give it to you. To you, the twelve, and those others who are around him. That that's pretty telling. Why would he do something like that? And then he he quotes. Now Matthew will refer to Isaiah, but this clearly comes from the from Isaiah chapter six, right? Uh, after Isaiah's vision, and and God says, "Who will go?" We have the famous. What's Isaiah say? Here am I. Send me, Lord. How long? How long to do this? God tells him. And he finishes with this. Now, why would God tell him to go, and why would Jesus scatter seed everywhere, as Richard just asked? Um, why would he be doing this? And of course, I've got some things to say about it, but I want to get you, if y'all have any opinions on this. And I don't think there's any just one right answer. Okay, there's there again. You're getting to. There are so many interpretations on this. I'm going to give you mine here in a minute, but. There's yeah. Fill in the blank. Yeah. There's lot. There's lots here. Yeah. There's just there's lots here. But again, at the beginning though, why would he why would he explain it just to the twelve and others right around him and not the bigger crowd? They can go out and spread the word. Okay. So they can go. I think that's. I think that's. I think that's good. Yeah. For them too. Okay. Anything else? I also think there's an act of judgment. You you know, the unbelieving heart, I mean, what are they going to end up accusing him, accusing Jesus being? Of the devil, right? You're you do these things by the power of whom? Of Satan. There we talked about last week the the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Why was it blasphemy? Well, you have the you have the the Word of God, the Son of God. You have God Himself right in front of you, and you see it, and you really know. But you're still gonna not only not believe, but you're also going to accuse Him of being in league with Satan. That that's 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 tough. That's severe. In fact. If we go, if we were to go over to Hebrews, you know, Hebrews has those famous passages talking about people who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have who have had some of the seed sown, and and they get so far off that there no longer remains for them what an atonement of forgiveness of sins. And that's pretty severe. So you look at what we just got through last week with blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So here he is. He's throwing seed, but it's in a way it's an act of judgment. Um, he'll come. Act of, almost an act of conscious restraint, too, because yeah. the point of the accusation mm-hmm. is that he wasn't the first claimant to be the Messiah. Right. So there had been 
large meetings of people trying to convince others that they were Messiah, and they all failed. And there's a logical thought process here that he's saying, I want you to know, because you're the ones that are going to go out and say the same thing. Mm -hmm. If we say it out loud and explain the meanings, there's going to be accusers in those crowds yeah. that are going to take it, and the ministry is going to end too soon. Yeah. That's a really good point, Gary. Yeah. We've heard it referred to, all the parables referred to as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Yeah, that's good. It's a good descriptor, too. I like that. I don't know in the back of your heart of that, but Gary's saying parables are referred to as an earthly story with heavenly meaning. I think that's, I think that's right on. Yeah. So to you it's been given the secrets of the kingdom. That's a, a word talking basically about, you could say lots about that, but about God's rule. Um, really taking them aside, and Richard talking about giving them, kind of, a, kind of quizzing them. I think that's right, because again, st- even though when he takes them by themselves, they're still not going to get it sometimes. <laughs> are, you, are you still without understanding? It's like, <laughs> you know, wake up. Um, all right, let's go on. Verse 13, and he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So again, Jesus is going to speak in parables throughout his ministry. Now again, he's going to talk plainly plainly to them when they're in a smaller group, but he's going to keep on speaking in, in parables, roundabout way of saying things. So here we go, verse 14. What's the sower do? The sower goes out and he sows the what? Yeah, seed, which is in in, in my translation, ESV is the word, right? That's a, that's a, you could spend hours talking about this. I mean, you look up this thing and it's the divine proclamation of God, if you will, right? It's not just another word that's spoken. I mean, this is this is the same same Greek word that John uses in John 1. One of the first phrases we learned in seminary was in our kehalagos, in the beginning was the was the word, right? It's the same it's the same thing he's using here. It's a it's a loaded it's a loaded word. Much behind so the sower is sowing the word who is all is also who is Jesus, right? He is the word. Um, so that so the soil then these different soils are metaphors for what? For our hearts, right? That's really what they're about. So it's again humanity, this open, huge, wide road, right? All over the place. So so are the so is his word. So is the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And you see this because, especially in America, in our country, um, mainly in our country, uh, you've, you've got you do have you go to any city, and you you know you've got you've got little tidbits of the word here and there, right? I mean, we have them all over our billboards, right? You, you see, I mean, so there's the word that's kind of sown everywhere. You don't have that. <laughs> I've been to China three times to adopt all of our kids. You didn't see scripture over there. Um, I went to Prague, to the Czech Republic, back in 04 to do to do some research on post, post-Christian, you know, 
uh, Europe and the Czech Republic, and it's you know I was just blown away because there there you don't see scripture. I mean it's it's a free society, right? But there's you don't see scripture anywhere posted over there, right? So there's not the word being sown, although we know from people, missionaries and pastors and the church that that exists there, Catholic and other, uh, that that it's, it's the Christianity is there. But definitely, um, America is very very unique in that sense. So the word is sown. So Satan comes in and takes away, steals that, snatches it, which is his character, right? What does this what else, what does this look like? What do y'all think this looks like? What, uh, huh? What, uh, About how Satan steals the word that's being sown in this in this big, large, general sense. What do y'all think? Okay. Yeah. Second Corinthians four, Paul refers to this: uh, the, the the ruler of this world blinds those who who have little, little of what, little of the word sown in them, right? Um, and he refers to to Satan later being masquerade, masquerading as an angel of what, of light, right? Yeah. So it's it doesn't take much for that to happen. Um, and then as we make our way through, then it just seems like it gets deeper and deeper. And just one thing leads to the other. So verse 16, these are the, these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, and but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So here's the, the we've just upped the level a little bit, right? Uh, what's he talking about? The word didn't take root. It didn't take root, but it, and, and that shows itself because when there when. When trouble happens, yeah, when trouble happens on account of what? Not just in general, but not when you're just kind of given a hard time, but on account of what? On account of the word. You see that a little bit in America. We're we're move we're we are moving that direction, um, definitely. But other parts of the world, it's uh, obviously with the persecution, it's it's a big deal on account of the on account of the word, on account of Jesus, on account of Scripture, on account of even righteous living. Uh, you're persecuted for it. And again, we've seen little, little just glimmers of it here in our own culture, right? When someone stands up for something that is right, um, the culture definitely starts to do what now? Cancel them, right? Um, the whole cancel culture thing. We're seeing a lot, but I'm comparing it to, to I guess, the rest of the world. So, but yeah, you know, you're correct. It's it's we're 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 accelerating. Um, but on account of the word, though, I mean, I you know, if you if you decide to go out on the corner of you know, I don't know, Big Spring and and Illinois, and pull out a Bible and start reading, is anyone going to bother you? Most likely not. They may they may call you. They may you know you have your you know. Make someone may call you something as they pass by. They may toss something at you, but if you do that, almost anywhere else, you're going to be taken away. 
It's just how it is. Um, but we are we are moving that direction definitely. I think we're experiencing that not not only geopolitically in the country, but what we've been through the last several months with the split, lack of better terms, and what's happening in the Methodist Church. Oh, the denomination, yeah. We we are coming. Joel and I are coming from an area from a situation where the word was withheld. The, the truth was withheld, and it was just like that. The crows were flying in, taking away, taking it away, not allowed. Yeah, the congregation to hear. Yeah, it happens all the time. And we don't see it. In our denomination, thanks for bringing that up, because that's a because the the real issue in our denomination is is about what scriptural authority. So you could say on account of the word, it's just in a different way. It's not persecution really because, but you're adhering to biblical truth, and that's why things are the way they are. And of course, we're the only denomination that's gone through that. And there have been others before, and there there'll be more that 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 come. I think the Southern Baptist Church is. They're, 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 they're there. So, biblical authority. All right, I want to get through the next one because the next one, I believe, for for the church in America, it uh, really does kind of hit us in the face more than the others. And others, verse eighteen, are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the they are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. <clears throat> That's from spend really the rest of our time and then talk about um, fruit and how how it's done. But so here is here is his words: cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desires of the things they enter and they choke it. Um, I think that's that's the American culture. That's the church in America, right? We we love our things. Um, think of Matthew six when he's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, talking about you know you you can't serve God and what and Mammon, which is a which is which is money, riches. You can't have it both ways. You can't do both. It's got to be one or the other. Um, Would y'all turn over to Luke chapter 12? We'll just illustrate this with another one of his teachings, another parable. 12, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. 
But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So there, I mean, there's a parable to illustrate the other parable, right? And we definitely live in a, in a very, as we know, materialistic culture. We, we, I love that, you know, there was a little kind of a, how do you say it, uh, just a little, uh, he who dies the most toys, you know, well, he who dies the most toys wins, right? It's the most powerful. But then you had the, 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 the contrary argument of that was you'd see it on shirts. He, he who dies the most toys still does what? Still dies, right? Can't take it with you. Um, but I think that, that describes how many of us struggle with if I just had more, I could do more. Uh, I want the bigger house. I want this. I want that. It's really, and there's nothing wrong with, of course, having those things. It's just, again, the heart that, that goes after it. So Jesus is saying, the word is sown in your heart, but just like the thorns choke the word, we get so focused on on the cares of the world, on on the. It's interesting the deceitfulness of riches. How are riches deceitful to us? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, takes us away from real, from what really is, right? Yeah. What you should really suppose what with the world really about, not just things. Right, things, yeah. That's right. I just think about the enormous amount of money that is made now and that we that probably a good part of us contribute to, myself included, on the money of of, of we're just so into entertainment and pleasure you know all the the streaming you know services that are out there it's like our culture is just it's ensconced in and i would say almost enslaved it's just a constant have you watched this have you watched that it's it's like tv on tv on steroids you know um and I, and I was, again, obviously, I mean, I'm a technology person. I started my first computer. I got 82, started learning how to, to code. To code, it was used to be called, we called it programming back in the day. And that was my whole world. And I, so I would, but I remember my grandmother still, the days I was sick, I'd be glued to the television. She's like, that, you know, things of the devil, you know, and it's just two. It's like, well, what do you got one in your house for, you know? Um, but but yeah, you're the one, Grandma, who taught me how to watch Days of Our Lives when I was sick. You know, you know, it's sad when someone makes a reference to someone and you know that character is like, how do I remember that junk from being in, in early junior high? But it's just ridiculous. But it, it but again, we it's like this whole we just spend so much money and effort and time and energy on on these things, whether they are physical things or digital. In my case, you know, I struggle with just, a, you know, I mean, gosh, I probably have 20 laptops and computers in my house. It's like, that's a hobby also. I mean, I, I just love that stuff. I love to build and rebuild and repurpose. And um, so I struggle with it, believe me. It's, it's, it's a struggle. But I do catch myself thinking, well, if we just had, if we could just like, oh, we could just add another room onto this house, if we could do this, if I could just do so much more, blah, on and on and on. Um, That's what I mean. It just mm-hmm. yep. Actually, when I, when friend left, and I, it, uh, the lawyer said that I had to get rid of all my stuff. 
Fran was responsible. I had some really good stuff, but there was two things. One was I always worried about, is it going to break? Where is it? Do I have to clean them? It's time to clean them. And it just consumed me. But then when I got rid of them, I had to. It hurt. But being in the military, it wasn't that difficult. But um, when I got rid of it, it, it truly was uh, free. I didn't worry about, did I clean this album today? Should I go move this around? Or It does. It consumes your brain. Yeah, it does. You know, the irony is with the dozens and dozens of sources for information out there, we still have to search to find something, too, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Saying the same thing. Yep. The more information, the less we know. Yeah, that's, and then also the less, if you think about it too, again, the less relational we have become, because we, you know, it's it's, you know, it's so it's so easy to relate through this thing right here. So, all right, let's continue on. So it proves unfruitfully, says, but, so in contrast, verse 20, those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, they accept it, and they bear fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. 30-fold, 60-fold are definitely good yields, but in the scripture world, 100-fold was considered the blessing of God. Y'all know who Francis Chan is? Anyone heard of Francis Chan? Nobody? Wow. Okay. He's just a, he's a Christian uh, writer, scholar, author, pastor. Um, he, he was teaching at a conference that don't, he, he made his way through exposited this text and he said, don't, don't assume you're good soil. So <laughs> that's how he started off the lesson. I'm like, okay, all right, all right. Um, but that, that's, the, that's the application for us this morning. Are we are we are we good soil? You know where where are we? How are our hearts? Um, do we do we do we love the word sown and that's been sown in our hearts that we're so over we're so exposed to it, right? We have such ample opportunity to be in Bible study, whether it's here Wednesday night, Sunday mornings. Some of you may be in other studies. There are studies all over this city that I mean, I, there's probably a study every night except for Fridays in this in this town. Um, but what what fruit are we producing? That's just a question for you to think about. As I mean, I had to I had to finish this up last night while I was angry at my at my wife over something. So I was like, okay, Lord, all right. So got to repent, which is just one of those, you know, you have marital disagreements sometimes. So we were disagreeing, and she was probably right. I don't know. Well, I'm still thinking about that, but. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like don't let don't let the sun go down being being angry, right? So, um, and so the other question then is, if we if if we're if we're struggling, and I think probably a good part of us maybe move in and out of these, right? Sometimes our soil does does change as as seasons, um, but of course the goal is to always have to be good soil to that heart that's attentive. Listening, repenting, uh, self-examination. What do I really want? Do I really want the Word? Do I want more of Jesus? Do I want to be closer to Him? Do I want to have an impact for my community? The question then is: Is how? 
How do we do this? As we close, we're going to close with John, John 15. Jesus tells us how to do this. And it's not like a magic pill, but it, I mean, you've heard this, you've heard John 15 quoted probably more times than I have. Um, Pastor Stephen Kurt go into this quite a bit. I'm glad they do because this is, you know, a very significant uh, chapter in the Gospels. He's talking about him being the what? The true vine. Uh, Father's the vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he does what? Takes away. All right? Um, we want to bear fruit. Already you're clean because the word I've spoken to you. And then he, he, he uses this Greek verb meno, which means to abide. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in them, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do what? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and it withers and the branches are gathered down, are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He's not talking about the red Corvette either. Okay. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So, unless I've miscounted, Kurt, I think that's ten times he uses the word abide in, in those, what, eleven verses. So, I mean, that's is it? Is, does he? Is Jesus telling his disciples and by extension us that it's important to remain in Him? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Because he said you can't bear fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. So you know, people ask me over the years, you know, what? So what do I do? It's like. Well, out for his mercy and come back to him or repent. I mean, that's where it's got to start, that attentive heart, um, self-examination, um, and being honest. Uh, we need to be honest with him about you know, our struggles and what we, you know, Lord, I'm really struggling. I really want this, this other thing. Um, help me with that. I don't know, questions, comments? Do you think that part of this parable is also a lesson to us in how to sow. You don't even have to apply modern farming practices. Pure logic tells you don't throw seeds <laughs> in three of the four places that you plant seed. Right. But are we being told, don't be discriminant in how you spread the word, get the word out? Yeah, I think you could say that, Kurt. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. Yep. Yeah. Get, get the get the word out. That's that another yeah. It's hard for us to discern what's the good soil, what's the rocky soil, and the mm-hmm. perception is off. Yeah. Which amazingly the next parable. True. Yeah, I flip over to John 15 and go back to Mark 4. <clears throat> well, yeah, the the growing seed, right? Yep, parable of the mustard seed. I mean, he's got a whole whole bunch of them here. And you do, but you do have to be careful what, about if you know if we if we know something is is wrong or there's someone that's not going to receive it, 
and we spend time, energy, money, uh, sowing that seed, what's Jesus tell us to be careful of? Don't cast your pearls before what? I mean, don't don't waste your don't waste your time, right? Yeah, I mean, there's that too. But again, looking, so you've got us sowing the the seed or the word, but also, again, taking it to ourselves, receiving it, um, and not not coming to a place where I'm just so far gone. I'm so I'm in such a dark place that I that I won't repent. I won't come back. Uh, so so critical, and because again, the the cares of life just choke out the word. And you know, maybe enough said about that. Anything else before we pray? Yeah, I think it's kind of showing, you know, there's uh, encouragement to sow the seed everywhere. Uh, but when you go to the other parable or the other, you know, don't cast your pearls among swine, that's more of uh, how much time are you investing. Mm-hmm. If it's not being received, it's time to move on to someone else. Right. Don't spend too much time in one spot with people that aren't going to receive the word. Yeah, that's a good point, Joey. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly, right on. All right, let's go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Father, we give you thanks again for this morning. Thank you for uh, your word that you that you chose to sow it in our hearts. Other other preachers, pastors that uh, have invested in us, who've, who've sowed the word, but not just pastors, Lord, Sunday school teachers and others that that spend time and effort, energy and money and things to invest in our lives that have taught us. So, Father, I pray we receive this and we will, um, we will, we will choose to, to be good soil to one of, to, to just repent and to follow you and be connected with you and close to you. And also, also, Lord, to, to sow, to sow your word and those around us. Uh, again, we thank you for your, your goodness. Thank you for your grace and mercy. I, I, Lord, I pray your favor and blessing upon each man in this room as they go through their day, whatever they're doing, to speak to them, to work through them, whether it's through their, their, their families, their coworkers, those they encounter on the streets, whoever it is, Lord, we just speak them and use them mightily. Um, we just pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. Have a great day, y'all. Thanks for being here. Thanks for putting up with the with the bottom of the barrel.